You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, good morning, y'all. It's good to see you today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Jake. I'm so glad you're joining us this morning. All right, so a little history lesson. It's May 1940. Over 3,000, over, over three, 350,000 Allied troops are trapped on the beach at Dunkirk. They got the English Channel behind them. Nazi army is bearing down upon them only about 10 miles out. The situation is incredibly dire. Now, most of us here know how this story ends because either you paid attention in history class or you saw Christopher Nolan's excellent 2017 film, Dunkirk, right? Now, that movie was really great, but Christopher Nolan left out something I wish that he had included in it. See, uh, did you know that King George... Upon receiving the news of the Allied troops' dire situation and the looming Nazi invasion, called uh, his nation, England, to a day of fasting and prayer. And that the people of England uh, responded. That uh, tens of thousands of people poured into cathedrals and churches all across England to cry out for God's mercy. One example of this is a picture here taken just outside of Westminster Abbey. You see people just lined up to get into the church on this day of prayer and fasting. History records that uh, three remarkable things occurred on that day and in the week that followed. First, Winston Churchill, while at a prayer meeting, put a call out for boats of all sizes and shapes to cross the English Channel to rescue the besieged besieged army. Then, uh, which, oh, by the way, was a call that was answered by over 800 different vessels. The second thing that happened was a severe storm formed that grounded the Luftwaffe, the, the German Air Force, making it difficult for them to attack the army on the beach. And then the third thing that happened was that the English Channel, notorious for its high winds and choppy waters, was perfectly calm for three days. Historians say it was like bathwater, which made it possible for the hundreds of small civilian boats to cross the channel and to rescue over 338,000 Allied troops. Now, was that just a coincidence? Or was it something else? See, uh, the people of England didn't see it as a coincidence. Unlike Christopher Nolan, they didn't simply refer to this day as Dunkirk. They called it the miracle of Dunkirk. But was it a miracle? Here's what I know for sure. Throughout the library of scripture, prayer and fasting go together. 
You can pray without fasting and you can fast without praying. But when you combine the two, it's like there's a a, a chemical reaction, if you will, that uh, amplifies our prayers. If you're visiting with us at with Midtown, uh, it's probably helpful to know that three times a year, we look at a practice from the life of Jesus and we take steps to adopt that practice as our own. And we do this because we're trying to help each other grow as apprentices or disciples of Jesus. And a disciple of Jesus is someone who organizes their life around three big things, being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. And so currently, we're encouraging one another to take up the practice of fasting. And to help us in that, on Sundays, in this series, I'm teaching on uh, four reasons for why to fast. The four reasons are, and this is a little bit of review for y'all, but to offer ourselves to Jesus, that was two weeks ago, to grow in holiness, last week, and then to amplify our prayers, and then to stand with the poor. And today, we're going to get into that third one, fasting in order to amplify our prayers. Now, what do I mean by that, (laughs) right? How does fasting amplify our prayers? That's the big question. But before I get into how fasting can help us as we pray, I think it's worth pointing out that fasting actually is a practice that helps us want to pray. See, prayer is an umbrella term used to convey the medium by which we communicate and uh, commune with God. All right? So prayer is more than just talking to God. It's also listening to God and even more being with God. That ultimately prayer is all about connecting with God. And fasting is a practice that helps us want to pray because fasting helps us get in touch with and even increase our hunger to connect with God. You know, hunger is just a state of wanting or needing something you do not have, right? So we, of course, talk about being hungry for food, but we can also talk about things like being hungry for power or something like that, right? Well, I believe that within all of us is a hunger, a longing, a desire to connect with God. But I also believe that often we're not in touch with that hunger. Not in touch with our hunger to know God, to connect with God. Now, why are we not in touch with that hunger? Well, in his book, A Hunger for God, John Piper, uh, the pastor, explains, if we don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God or to connect with God— It's not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world that our soul stuffed with small things and there's no room for the great. And so instead of feeling what the psalmist feels and expressed in Psalm verse 42, chapter 42, verse 1 and 2, uh, the psalmist says, Oh, as the deer pants for streams of water, So my soul pants for you, my God, my soul thirsts for God, the the living God. But instead of feeling that way often, friends, we're we're like someone who who drinks nothing but uh, coffee and Coke uh, all day, every day, 
and then begins to wonder over time, why do I feel so unhealthy and dehydrated? The pastor, Dave Clayton, he captures this thought by saying, quote, I believe Jesus's words that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. I also believe that most of us will never hunger and thirst for righteousness because we have been trained to feast on the junk food of our age. I wonder if it's even possible to truly hunger for Jesus if our souls are currently stuffed with far lesser things. But when we fast, when we fast, when we intentionally abstain from food for a period of time, we make room, as it were, in our souls, in our body, in our spirit for God. See, in this way, fasting is a practice that helps us get in touch with our spiritual hunger, which then in turn helps us want to pray. It helps us want to communicate and to commune with God. But it does even more than that. See, fasting doesn't just help us want to pray. It also helps us as we pray. That fasting, as we're saying, amplifies our prayers. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay, you follow me? What do I mean by amplify our prayers? Well, you can break prayer down into two simple categories. Listening to God and speaking to God. And fasting is a powerful practice that amplifies both God's voice to us and our voice to God. Or to put another way, fasting helps us listen to God well and communicate with God well. Let me break that down. Let's first begin with how fasting helps us listen to God well. To give you an example of this, let's look at Acts uh, chapter 13, verses 1 and 3. Okay, I have these words up here on the slide. But, uh, it says, Now in the church of Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menin, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Okay, simple observation here. When did they hear from the Spirit of God clearly? While they were fasting and praying. Now, why is that? Honestly, I don't really know. I know I have ideas and I will share them and I will share some other things I feel confident about. But overall, I need to say a part of this is mysterious. And let's just call that out, okay? The, uh, there is a part where we just see I mean, time and time again in Scripture that uh, there's a high correlation between hearing from God and seeing God move in power when we add fasting to prayer. But Scripture doesn't tell us exactly why that is. At least it doesn't tell us clearly. Now, my theory is it's because God is relational. And so his ultimate aim is to draw us deeper and deeper into the life and the love of the Trinity. 
And so when we, because he's relational, seek him with all we are, he responds to that in a, in a unique and sometimes powerful way. Because his desire is for, him, for us to seek him in that way. And then that leads us to greater uh, communing with him and hearing from him. Jeremiah 29, verses 12 and 13, God says, You will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. See, perhaps we hear from God clearly when we're fasting because fasting is a way to seek God with all you are, body and spirit, or put another way, with all your heart. Having said that, though, there's still part of, of how fasting helps us hear from God that, that, like I said, is just mysterious. But there's also a part that isn't mysterious. In fact, there's a part here that is actually based on and backed up by science. <laughs> and see, we know that through medical studies that as we fast, certain things take place within our bodies that help us and aid us in our ability to listen well. In fact, there are tons of peer-reviewed studies on fasting that have demonstrated that fasting increases the blood flow to your brain, causing you to be more alert and aware than when you eat. Why? Because when you eat, blood flows to your digestive system, right? And which causes you to, be feel, to feel a little tired and a bit cloudy of mind. Just think about how we all feel that Thanksgiving afternoon after the giant feast, right? But when we fast, your mind stays more alert. In addition, it has been discovered that fasting can increase neuroplasticity, the ability for your brain to make new neural connections. In fact, this week I was reading this like super interesting article, uh, uh, that a medical article that I don't normally read, but I was, I was fascinated by this one. Uh, it was published by Baylor Scott and White Health. And it said, I got the quote up here. It says, fasting can have several positive effects on brain health, including increased production of brain-derived neurotrophic factor BDNF. We all are familiar with BDNF, right? And I was, love that stuff. The article explains, BDNF is a protein that supports the survival of existing neurons and encourages the growth of new neurons and synapses. Fasting can increase BDNF levels, which may lead to improved cognitive function, learning, and memory. But that's not all. Fasting has also been proven to decrease the neurotransmitters that signal anxiety and depression and increase those that elevate calm and a sense of well-being. Now, I share all that because, as I've said throughout the series, fasting is a powerful practice from the life of Jesus because it involves all that we are, body and spirit. And this is just another example of that, that as we fast, it helps our body become more alert and aware, which helps our spirit's ability to listen to God. Now, I recognize that some of y'all might be thinking, but Jake, that has not been my experience the last two weeks when I've been fasting. Perhaps when you fasted, you felt more sluggish, a little more foggy-brained. Uh, you need to know that's, that's normal. It really is. Uh, this, these changes don't take place overnight. 
And especially if you're, you know, used to a, a, a diet high on, you know, sugar and things like that, uh, you're going to feel a little off, feel a little sluggish, perhaps feel even dizzy as you fast. But as you continue this practice, if you make it a rhythm of your life, a regular practice, you will find that fasting will aid your body in your ability to, to be alert and awake and even calm and steady, which puts you in an ideal situation to be able to hear from God, to listen to God well. Okay? See, uh, fasting helps us as we pray. And in this way, in particular, it helps us as we pray for discernment. Prayers for discernment. You know, prayers where we're asking God to tell us what he would have us do. Prayers when you're praying, God, should I take this job? Should I move to this place? Should I date that guy or that girl? You know, it's when you're trying to see, God, will you show me what to do? This fasting helps us in those prayers for discernment because it helps us listen to God's voice. It helps us listen well. This is why all throughout scripture and church history, there are stories of people fasting to hear God's voice of direction. For example, I think of Ezra, Ezra chapter 8, verse 32. You just have this very simple and succinct line that I love. He says, so we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. The great reformer uh, John Calvin when speaking about discerning God's will, said, I love this quote. He says, whenever men, and he could have said, and women as well, are to pray to God concerning any great matter, it would be expedient to appoint fasting along with prayer. Their sole purpose in this kind of fasting is to render themselves more eager and unencumbered for prayer with a full stomach, our mind is not so lifted up to God. <laughs> I love that last line. The full stomach, our mind is not so lifted up to God. Friends, this is, this is why Krista and I, um, just to share personally, like, it has been our practice and was counseled to us when we were doing premarital counseling and so thankful for that counsel we received. But throughout our whole marriage, which is about 20 years old, and we'll be in April 3rd. So uh, our whole marriage, I can't think of a time, and I don't say this to our credit, I say this because I believe this wholeheartedly, there, and I want to recommend it to you all wholeheartedly, but there hasn't been a single time in our marriage when we have faced a major decision that we didn't take time to fast and pray together to seek God's direction on that. Every move, every job change, when we were thinking about having kids, when we were considering adopting, when we were getting ready to plant Midtown Church, we would fast and pray. And by the grace of God, he worked through that. That every time we were able to come to a decision with unity and peace and confidence that God was showing us what he would have us do next. This has been uh, such an incredibly helpful practice for us when we were praying for discernment. And I just really recommend it to you because I think God was not kidding when he promised us in Jeremiah 29 that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And fasting, friends, is a practice by which we open our body and spirit to God, God's spirit, to speak, us, speak to us and to direct us. 
Because fasting helps us seek God with all of our heart. It helps us as we pray, helping us to listen to God well, aiding us in our prayers for discernment. But again, that's not all. It also, fasting also helps amplify our prayers because fasting helps us communicate with God well. Now, I need you to listen really carefully here, okay? So if you've tuned out, I need you to listen in because I'm gonna try to communicate with you well, all right? But you gotta, you gotta hear me on this, okay? Uh, scripture is clear that God hears us whether we're fasting or not, okay? That fasting is not some kind of hunger strike to force God to finally listen to us and give in to our demands. We are not Gandhi up against the British Empire. We are sons and daughters of a loving father. And yet, there is something about fasting that amplifies certain types of prayer. Because fasting helps us communicate those prayers with all that we are. Which in turn helps us to communicate and even commune with God well. Now, what do I mean? Well, let's get specific. There are specifically three types of prayers, perhaps more, but at least three types of prayer where that fasting really helps aid and amplify. The first are prayers of repentance, prayers of repentance. Have you ever noticed how fasting and repentance are often, often show up together in scripture? The greatest example of this is Yom Kippur, or in our English translation, the Day of Atonement. See, on that day, Israelites would repent from all their sin from the previous year. And in Leviticus, Chapter 23, verses 26 through 28, the Lord tells Moses how he wants his people to honor this day, saying, the 10th day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves, or that can be translated, and fast, and present a food offering to the Lord. Do not do any work on that day because it is the day of atonement. The atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. Now, to this day, Orthodox Jews uh, fast for for a full 24 hours every single year on Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement. And they do that because here in this passage, God linked fasting and repentance. Now, again, I need you to listen closely here. Fasting as a way to communicate repentance can really get twisted. And I want you to get it twisted, all right? uh, It can get distorted into some kind of penance done to try to punish oneself and to pay for your own sins. But that's not what this is about. See, we don't fast in order to get God to forgive us No, we fast in connection with repentance in order to help our soul, our body and spirit. Hear this, key word, empathize. Empathize with God over our sin. See, Scott McKnight, the theologian writing on the Day of Atonement, says the Israelites 
were told to make their life uncomfortable for an entire day in order to bring their entire person into harmony with the gravity of sin and the need to turn from sin toward God, which, by the way, that's what repentance is at the very core of the definition. It's turning from sin and turning toward God. So he continues, fasting is, there it is, empathy with the divine or participation in God's perception of sin. See, when we sin, friends, God is grieved. And when we repent and we fast, we do so as a way to empathize with God, to grieve with God over our sin, resulting in, hear this, deeper communion with God, deeper fellowship where we sit together grieving our sin. See, the gracious truth, and I hope you hear this, the gracious truth is, as the Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. That is beautiful, and it is gloriously true. But because of this truth, I'll just speak personally. I tend to, I, I often treat my sin very flippantly. So when I sin, which doesn't happen real often, you know, I've just sinned. That was a lie. I'm preaching. I just told a lie. No. When I sin, I will often just confess it you know, in my mind. I'll just tell God, I'm sorry. And then, then I'll just move on. Just move on about my day as if it was no big deal. But friends, sin is a big deal. And so it's a big deal, not because if you're in Christ, sin separates you from from God. It doesn't. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus that we know with confidence that our sin does not separate us from God. But it's still a big deal because sin grieves God. This is why... At times, and I don't do this every time. You know, I don't try to come across more holy than I am. But there are times when I, especially when I, I recognize a reoccurring sin pattern in my life, impatience with Krista and my kids, lack of kindness or gentleness in my conversations, when I will take time to fast over that sin as a way to repent and to grieve with God over this sin that is an offense to God and causing great trouble and destruction in my life and in my relationships with others. And as a byproduct, I'll just say that when I do that, when I fast over that sin as a way of repenting, one of the things that's a byproduct is that I often lose my appetite for that sin or at least begin to lose my flippant attitude towards it. See, friends, in this way, fasting amplifies our prayers 
of repentance, helping us to communicate and commune with God well. Fasting also helps amplify and aid prayers of lament. Prayers of lament. See, throughout Scripture, grieving and fasting go hand in hand. For example, Nehemiah chapter 1, if you follow along with the devotionals, uh, which are excellent, really hope you are. But we read this passage earlier this week, Nehemiah chapter 1. If you may remember, Nehemiah receives this, this, this horrible news that the Israelites who survived exile were in great trouble and disgrace and that the wall of Jerusalem was broken down and its gates had been burned. And here's how he responds. Nehemiah 1, verse 4. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. He doesn't tell us how many days, just days. I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I know none of this is light, but I think it's so important. Because I I believe that a lot of the emotional unhealth in our world and in the church today is the result of us not knowing how to grieve well. Have you ever noticed that uh, when something really sad happens, you lose your appetite? Now, I'm not a doctor. And so I don't know exactly why that is. I didn't read a a medical article on that this week. But I just wonder if our bodies know that fasting is a fitting way to grieve. Again, to quote uh, theologian Scott McKnight, he calls this kind of fasting body grief, body grief. It's a way to grieve and lament with our entire body. And friends, it is a fitting way to commune with God over the brokenness in our lives and in our world. Instead of turning to food or drink to numb the pain, sometimes the healthiest thing we can do is to sit with the grief and take it to God. That in this way, fasting aids and amplifies our lament before him, helping us process and even feel our grief before God while looking to him to help us through it. Finally, fasting aids and amplifies our prayers of dependence. Prayers of dependence, you know, like when you're desperately dependent on God to move in power, to change something or to turn something around. Think about uh, Queen Esther facing the impending genocide and slaughter of her people. If you're familiar with that story, you know, how did she respond? She says, Esther chapter 4, verse 16 to Mordecai, she says, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, neither night or day. And I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. See, in a time of crisis, when she was desperate and entirely dependent on God to intervene, she called everyone to fast. And notice, she doesn't buy into the false idea that by fasting, she will force God to intervene. As she says, if I perish, I perish. 
So she doesn't fast to force God's hand. Instead, she fasted and she called others to fast in order to communicate to God just how dependent and desperate they were for God to intervene. See, they did it to communicate with God well, their whole body. And God answered the prayer. Like King George, friends, calling all of England to fast and pray for God to intervene as the Nazis approached Dunkirk, we see that there are times, ancient and modern, national and personal, when fasting will help us communicate well our great dependence on God. For it's a way to say with our entire entire body and spirit, God, I don't need anything else but for you to move in power, for you to show up, for you to do what only you can do. Hmm. See, what if we, when we face a crisis or we need a flat-out miracle or we need a breakthrough, what if instead of panicking and worrying and wringing our hands, we were to fast and pray? I wonder what would happen. Covered a lot of ground here. Let me try to sum it up for us, okay? My, 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 my big idea here is that when it comes to hearing and being heard by God, listening to God and communicating with God, not only is fasting an aid to prayer, it's an amplifier of prayer and a powerful one at that. See, fasting helps us want to pray as it awakens or stokes our hunger for God. Fasting helps us as we pray, helping us to listen to God well, especially aiding our prayers for discernment. It helps us communicate to God well, especially amplifying our prayers of repentance and lament and dependence. And as we fast and pray, we honor God as we seek him with our whole heart, with all that we are. And often as we do this, God moves in power to change our lives and our hearts and the world. So, as a way to aid and amplify our prayers, I want to invite you to join us or to continue tracking along with us and this fasting practice. To get specific, the invitation this week is similar to the last two weeks, which is pick one day to fast through breakfast and lunch, and then break your fast at sundown with dinner. But this week, as you fast, give more attention to prayer. Spend more time in prayer. See, in the fasting practice guide, which if you don't have, there's still a few more out in the lobby and really encourage y'all to be using this to track along with us. I think it's really helpful. But in your guide, you'll see that there are a few other things we would encourage you to consider doing this week as you practice fasting. But one of them I just want to call out is that I really want to invite y'all to join us this Friday night for a very special concert of prayer. 
It's going to be a really awesome time. The staff has been working on this to put together a, a, a very, I think it's going to be a very significant, meaningful time of prayer together in light of study and how fasting helps amplify our prayers that we would gather together as a church family to pray together. There's just something powerful that happens when people of God fast and pray. And so I really hope that you will join us this Friday night for our special concert of prayer. Justin will tell you a little bit more details about that at the end of the service. But uh, for now, just to end this message, I want to invite our uh, servers to begin passing out the communion elements. And as they uh, get ready to do that, I, I want to make one, one more uh, I want to make one more point. Something that I, I just really want to emphasize, and I, I hope you can follow with me here, even whenever people are moving around. See, please hear this. Friends, we do not fast in order to force God to answer our prayers or in order to get God to hear, really hear our prayers. You know what I mean by that? Like, it's not uncommon, though it is unbiblical, to think that if I fast, then surely God will know that I'm serious and he will be impressed by my devotion. And so he will not just listen to my prayers, he will really listen to my prayers. That is a lie. It's not true. See, why does God answer our prayer? For that matter, why do, why do you and I even have access to God so that we can approach him in prayer? It's not because we fast. It's because we have a loving Savior. Book of Hebrews chapter 4 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Why? Because we've been fasting? No, because of Jesus. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Listen, friends, in a, the person who is going to God in prayer but can't or shouldn't, for whatever reason, fast. The person to go into God in prayer that can't or shouldn't be fasting can still have ultimate confidence that they can go boldly before the throne of grace because of Jesus. So do not put your confidence in your fasting when you pray. Put your confidence in Jesus. The Father hears your prayers, not because of what you do for him, but because of what Jesus has graciously done for you when he lived and died and rose again to pay for your sins and to bring you to God. And I want to just give you a minute as we end this message to give you the time just to reflect on that incredible truth, to reflect on it and to rejoice in it. 
that because of Jesus, because of what we're remembering when we take communion, that Jesus' body was broken for us, his blood was spilled out for us, we can know that God hears our prayers, that he's brought us to God, and we can go confidently with God, which doesn't mean we don't try to communicate well with all of our heart these prayers, but it doesn't mean we have to fast in order to have confidence that God hears our prayers and will move towards us. That confidence is in Jesus his love for us. Reflect on that now and in a minute. We'll take these elements together and worship our awesome God. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven.